Mackenzie Frank here. Thanks for tuning in to 20-something mom with Mackenzie Frank. I am so excited for today's interview with Katie Rodier, the owner and founder of Happily Ever After Sleep. She's a baby sleep expert. What could you want more than to know all the information of baby sleep, kid sleep, everything. So we packed a lot into this episode. Let's jump right in. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. Absolutely. I'm excited to join you. It's been a little while. I know. So it's so funny because I worked with you and Jagger was just a little newborn. How old is she? Was like weeks old. Yes. And I saw your, your, well, I always see your stuff, but I saw you posted the one video of like when she was itty bitty till now. And it's crazy. It's so crazy. Well, what do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first? Yeah. So my name is Katie Roder. I am a wife and a mom as well. So I have two girls. Um, my oldest is turned eight <laughs> and then my youngest is about three and a half, but essentially I am a certified pediatric consultant. So I'm the owner of happily ever after sleep. And I founded this when my youngest was nine months and she was not sleeping well. Um, when I look back, things definitely could have been worse, but I was motivated to make a change and I found a sleep program and didn't realize how life-changing it actually would be so much so that I wanted to give the same thing to other families. I wanted to provide a way for them to make changes and coach them along the way because I don't feel like sleepless nights don't have to be your normal. And I feel like a lot of moms are struggling and they don't know what to do or where to go. And so I like to be that resource for, for moms, whether you're a first-time mom it's your second or third child and it's just harder this time around. So I love being that support system for for moms. That's so awesome. I mean, so it's so funny because I found you, I think right when she was really young and then I was like trying to make the decision or was I pregnant? I can't, I can't remember at the end of my pregnancy, but I just remember being so excited to, find somebody to help me throughout this journey because I'm a first time mom. I had no idea what to do about sleeping. Like I, I had babysat and you know, my nephew was six years old at the time. And I'm like, Oh, I did a lot with him. Like I know a lot about babies. I could change a diaper really well, but like no (laughs) idea about sleep. And I just know how important it is to like start off with a good foundation. So, I mean, I think for moms out there listening, like one of the biggest things that everyone's always saying is like, Oh, how does your baby sleep? Is your baby sleeping good? Is your, you know, it's like one of the number one things that people ask you and moms ask each other, but I feel like it's so overlooked. Right. So I want to know from you what you would say, why is it so important for somebody to have that support? I feel like becoming a mom again, whether it's a first time mom or your second child, it's, it's a whirlwind of emotions. Like you really can't, like you could read all the things you can hear, you know, people tell you their advice and their experience, but it really never prepares you until baby's actually here. And usually you're busy getting the nursery ready. You know, you're busy, you know, having a baby shower and getting all the things, but usually sleep's not on your radar until you are sleep deprived or, you know, I thought newborns were just really sleepy. And then you kind of think like, wow, I really would be helpful for someone to help me navigate this because you don't have to sleep train down the road if you start off early. And so I just think sometimes it's not always something that we think about right away. (laughs) And so having someone that you can talk to about it and guide you is really important. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's the foundation for me that caught me. It's like, I remember talking to my mom about it and I was like, she was telling me, she's like, 
it's going to be really hard before I even had Jagger. She was like, it's going to be really hard when she's in the crib and scream and screaming like mama, mama. And, you know, and she's like, you don't want to get it to that point where she's like screaming for you and you're never going to be able to not go in there. And that really put it into perspective for me. So I just knew that I wanted to do everything I could from like day one. And with that said, I mean, it's like, there's such a stigma against sleep and sleep training. And then people automatically assume it's like, cry it out. Your baby has to cry the whole time, which is like, which is not really true because I didn't even do that. And really at all. And we are in the place where we want to be. So it's, it's exciting that to know that you can get there without having to have all that negative stuff attached to it. So, I mean, yeah. What could you do to have that foundation? What do you usually tell people? So I think what you said is, it's so true. And it's really what I've tried to share because I have a lot of pregnant moms and expecting moms that are following me and really kind of sharing that one sleep training is not cried out. Not all sleep training is that, um, you know, people can, if you're starting new page, you have like a blank sleep. So essentially you can start very slowly at your own pace and we're not, we're not letting baby cry at all. So if sleep training is something that you don't want to do, you don't want to let your baby cry. You start early with this blank slate. You absolutely can make the changes. And so, and then some moms might think, well, I don't want to have to worry about sleep with a newborn. Like I just want to enjoy the cuddles and the snuggles. You can have both. I don't usually have my newborn clients start until six weeks. And even then you're still going to hold baby for naps. You're still going to do different things. And so it's, I would say it's not all or nothing. You can you can work on independent sleep from the very beginning. The biggest key really is awake windows. And I'll dig more into that. But just being aware of how much time your newborn can handle awake before you are attempting a nap, I would say would be the number one thing. But yeah, get into it a little well, bit the awake windows is like the biggest thing for me. I would always be so interested in the awake windows and trying to keep track of that. Because when I, I worked with you, that was the number one thing you told me. And it was so helpful. It's funny because again, my, I remember my mom talking about it and she was like, I was I trying to explain it to her because she's a whole different generation. We had four kids. So she's like, always like, well, I would just kind of watch you guys and see when you got tired. And it was usually around the same time. I'm like, yeah, awake windows. That is an awake window. Exactly. <laughs> with this. Like, oh, we just never had a name for it. There was never a name for it. 25, 26, 27, you know, years ago. So it's just funny, but yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say even my little, like, I don't think I even was aware of the awake window and not as much as I am now. And I think it's something that probably could have saved me a lot of crying and or feeding baby because awake, like tired signals and, and eating hungry signals look very similar. So that's why awake windows are helpful in kind of determining it's tired or is it hunger. So it's, it's really the most essential factor to consider when getting your little one to sleep better. So awake time is as you shared how much time your little one can handle between sleep. Newborns are like can only handle about 45 minutes of awake time, sometimes as little as 30 minutes in those very early, you know, stages of, of sleepiness. And so if you think about, you know, we're trying to establish breastfeeding or getting baby to eat well, change a diaper, that doesn't give you a lot of awake time for your little one. So you, uh, that's why a lot of times in the beginning, they're falling asleep while eating because they're just very sleepy. And so um, you know, keeping an eye on the time. And if you just fed your little one and they're getting fussy and it's been about 45 minutes, most likely it's, it's, they're tired, not hunger. Cause you just fed them. So sometimes we think like, oh, baby's cluster feeding already. Well, maybe not. They're probably just tired because they've been awake for about 45 minutes. So keeping an eye on that, so that we are putting them down for sleep. We're trying to get them to sleep before they go past that window. 
because that's when overtiredness kicks in. And if you ever heard like the purple crying or a baby has colic or baby's just so fussy and I don't know why, usually it's overtiredness. So your baby's been awake too long and now they're just gonna have a really hard time settling because they just overstimulated and overtired. So that's why awake windows are super important for newborns is because it can go from you know sleepy to overtired very quickly. And then it's, it's so true when you talk about the awake windows, because I remember there were some like it's so having a newborn, sometimes it can be so frustrating where you feel like it's going to last forever. These little like spells of crying or, um, you know, it's at a certain time all the time. And I'm like, is my baby colic? And then it's just not, it doesn't end up being that way. Um, and you feel like you have no idea what to do sometimes. Am I making things worse when I'm doing this or that, but they're just like overtired, like you said. And that was even something that was hard for me to come to terms with, because I remember you telling me, um, well, how much sleep is she getting during the day? Because they have to have a certain amount of sleep in the 12 hours of the day and the 12 hours of the night, which is like split up into day and night. And if, she's not getting enough sleep during the day, like enough in those nap times that she's going to be messed up at night. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we think like, oh my, you know, and I've heard this awful advice before, like, oh, keep your baby up longer during the day. So they sleep all night. Like, no, that's what's going to fuel the overtiredness. So you want your baby to sleep during the day, especially in those newborn stages, they're going to be asleep more than they're going to be awake, honestly. And that's what they need in those first few weeks of life. Even the first you know, month or two of life because they need their, their sleep. That's how they grow and develop. And it's super important for to put them down regularly for naps. Um, that's going to help you more with nighttime than it is going to hurt you. So. so speaking of like newborns, because I feel like that's a whole nother topic of like some new moms will be like, is my newborn sleeping way too much? How much is too much sleep for a newborn? I mean, you know, where do I draw the line? Am I supposed to wake my baby up? Like there's so many things to that. What would you say to a new mom in that position? Yeah. So if the baby is, you know, around the one month mark or under two months, I usually will cap the nap at three hours, just because it's really important to, to regulate those days and nights. And the way baby knows that is to have regular feeds because we want those longer stretches of sleep to be at night. And so by waking baby at the most at the three hour mark and giving those regular feedings in a bright room that helps regulate that the night and day for them, because they, it's really messed up in the beginning. They don't have a body clock. They don't really know what's day and night. Other than, you know, I wake up this often, I eat, I'm exposed to daylight. So I would say maximum three hours. As baby gets older, I focus more on two hours because sleep needs do decrease as baby gets older. But the newborn stage three hours is definitely kind of the max you want to go for a nap. Yeah. And then as the baby gets older, I remember talking to you a lot about the sleep regressions. And I think we stopped, um, going to you and having our package ended like right before her four month sleep regression, but you had given me all the tools that I felt like I was able to get through all of them so much easier and better than I probably ever would have on my own because I didn't know what the heck I was doing with baby sleep. But, um, yeah. Do you want to talk about like sleep regressions and those things? Cause those can be really scary for people. Absolutely. Why well, you said the biggest one is the four month sleep regression. And honestly, the, I don't want to say the others aren't real, but usually the other sleep regressions are tied to something developmental. So babies learn to crawl, babies learn to roll, um, they're teething. Um, you know, you hear about all these leaps and things that happen. Usually it's, it's not per se a leap, it's 
something developmentally has changed and it's going to impact your baby's sleep. But four months sleep regression is the real deal. And it is really scary for some parents because you can go from your baby sleeping, some baby sleep through the night until this regression. And then it's like, now my baby's awake every hour. What happened? Like, did I break my baby? Like what's going on? What shifted and what changed? And you shared it a little bit. You can actually avoid this regression altogether if you work on sleep from the very beginning. So if you're laying the foundation for independent sleep as a newborn, your baby will still, their sleep will still change, but you won't notice as much of an impact because they already have the skill to fall asleep on their own. And I'll explain why this regression happens. So that's the question, right? Like, why does it happen? That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? I'll why? get to the good stuff. Why? So newborns only have two stages of sleep. So they have non-run sleep uh, where they have run sleep and they have deep sleep. And that's really all they have. So if you see your baby, you know, twitching their, you know, their eyes are, are moving around or their limbs are kind of failing their run sleep or they're dead to the world and they're in deep sleep. And that's really all they have around the three to four months mark. It's different for every baby. Some babies go through a little bit sooner than others. They add on two more stages of sleep which are much lighter. So now we're talking stages one and two sleep, which is very light. So stage one sleep looks like drowsiness, looks like heavy eyelids, baby falling asleep while eating, that's stage one sleep. And so what happens when these stages are added is if your little one couldn't get to sleep on their own before, um, so you're, they're always being laid down asleep or eating to sleep, they're having a hard time connecting those cycles now. Because even if you lay them down asleep and they sleep one or two cycles, they're going to eventually come back to that light stage of sleep and have trouble getting back into the deeper sleep on their own. And so that tends to be when baby wakes up every hour or two hours because they're coming back to light sleep at the end of each cycle. And, and so that's, that's, yeah, well, sorry, what were you saying? No, I was going to say that's really what happens is when that sleep changes, you're noticing a difference in all these wakings because now your baby's having trouble in this lighter stage of sleep. So is that where a lot of parents make the mistake of watching their baby, like think that they're getting up and then they rush in there, but their baby really just like was kind of just tussling around, maybe like doing little whines in their sleep. Yeah. Sometimes for sure. I always say, you know, to give your baby at least a few minutes before you run in there because all the babies call out in their sleep. And a lot of times it's when they are transitioning sleep cycles and sometimes baby can't get there on their own, but at least waiting like two minutes, three minutes, five minutes before you run in there and really watching baby. Sometimes their eyes are closed when this is happening. Yeah. And so if you don't have eyes on the baby, you're like, baby's awake, you run in there and their eyes are still shut. They're just kind of calling out in their sleep. So absolutely giving in a few minutes. I'm not saying don't respond, but, you know, see like, is baby actually awake or are they just, you know, calling out in their sleep and going back into the next cycle. That's one of the biggest things too. Like if your baby is set up in their room or they're already set up for their night and then I've, I've opened the door and I've been, I've regretted it instantly. Like, Oh my God, that was so stupid. Like if I just stood out the door for like 30 more seconds, she would have been sleeping. And I feel like for me at least, because I can't obviously speak for every baby, but for Jagger, like I, I know when she's crying opposed to just like whining or like just kind of whining in her sleep a little bit. And it won't last long. If I give it that couple minutes, she, you know, she's, she doesn't even get up. Like if she's ready to get up or there's something wrong, like she doesn't feel good or she's teething or like something like that, where I do need to go in there. 
she'll now she'll like sit up or stand up and like, I can hear the difference (laughs) cry. But if I didn't know that information, which I don't think a lot of people do, that's such a hidden thing. I feel like where, you know, just give it a couple minutes, give them a couple minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. to just settle because they're learning to put themselves and connect those sleep cycles. Right. Absolutely. And I would say with, with newborn moms, especially first time moms, um, I remember like one of my clients actually saying to me, like, can you tell me like, if she's actually asleep, like sending me a picture, like is my baby actually asleep right now? Cause like that noise, like the noisy sleepers, it's, it's hard to get used to because if you never had a newborn, you don't realize that they are very noisy sleepers. And so you just think like, why is my baby making noises all throughout the night? Well, they're still sleeping. They're in active sleep where they're connecting those cycles or, and so a lot of times you're just like, Oh, the baby made a noise. I have to get up. I have to, you know, feed her or him. And when really they're still asleep. So I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because that does come up a lot with my newborn clients. Yeah. It's such a tough, it's just a tough call to always make. And then, especially in the beginning, when you just have a baby, I feel like you're just always second guessing your decisions. And it's really hard for me, you know, it, even in life going off of your first thought, your first instinct, they always say like your first gut thought is what to go with. And I just always struggle with that in general. So even when you're a mom you're like, well, I just became mom. I have no idea what the heck I'm really doing. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just hard, but I, I love that you said that because I have a friend that just had a baby a couple months ago and she's like, my baby is the noisiest sleeper. She's just so loud. I don't know. She's like her dad. I'm like, I remember (laughs) you saying that baby newborns are such loud sleepers. And it's so true. It's so true. Absolutely. I, and you have those mom ears where you're, you hear every little noise they make. And so dad might be snoring and you're just like, gosh, I can't get any sleep. Like, all I, like you just hear baby all night long. So just being aware of that because moms do hear everything. <laughs> yeah. And I know one of the, one of the other issues that I had on my journey was being a breast strictly exclusively breastfeeding mom. It was like, I didn't really know. I remember saying to you, like, I don't know if she's hungry. I really just don't know because I never knew how much she really got. And I, I, I always felt like it was a little, it would have been a little bit easier to have like a bottle fed baby because it's like, I, then it's like, Oh, I put her to bed. She had six ounces. I know that. So she is fine or something like that. But you know, my thing was always like, Oh, should I just give her the boob? Should I just, I'm probably, just, I'm just giving her a boob. I don't know. She's probably hungry, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we talked a lot about breastfeeding when we were together. And I think Every parent's journey is different. And I think that, you know, breastfeeding itself has its own journey and its own struggle. And I think that it's, you know, it's, it's amazing if you, if you want to do that, if you can do that, but it does have its challenges. And that's where I say those hunger cues and tired cues can look the same. So one of my tips for newborns is if you know, you just fed your baby and are fussy attempt a nap before a feed. So if you know, like I just fed her, we just finished up. We just had a wake time. Most likely it's going to be she's tired, not hungry. Cause you just better. I would say, you know, most of the time, of course we have this cluster B and maybe once to nurse a lot, but I would say if you're, you're on the fence, try for a nap, you know, versus overfeeding. Um, because a lot of times it is, it's tiredness and not hunger. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, with that being said, how often do you get clients that don't know how to decide between the two? Like, it must just be all day long because it, that's just such a hard thing to, to decipher. Yeah. Yeah. I would say a lot of times, you know, mom will, I'll just say, you know, you can continue to feed on demand. So I never say, 
you cannot feed your baby, right? You can nurse as much as you want, but keeping in mind, like that we come back to those awake windows. So if you've just fed your baby and it's been, you know, 45 to 60 minutes, we'll look, we'll go back to that awake window and say like, okay, you know, you just fed her, you can always do a top up feed, but that's usually what usually comes up is now baby's super sleepy and eating at the breast or the bottle. And now they're falling asleep. So just kind of showing you now they're snacking and they're falling asleep that way. And so that usually turns into some other issues. Uh, again, you can feed your baby as much as, as you need to. We, we never want to have a hungry baby, but that usually turns into, you know, some, you know, baby's not eating his full feeds and now they're falling asleep that way. And that kind of <laughs> turns creates into a, a cycle. cycle. So would, yeah. Yeah. There. And then as your baby gets older, so now if you have that fine, that foundation, that sleep foundation set, it will be much easier. Cause I know that now that Jagger's like, I think she's like 14 months or something like that. Now I should, I know that. I don't know. Um, she's like 14 months and change, I guess, but, um, she's, I cannot feed her anywhere else, but a dark room really a lot of the time. And, you know, you go through that phase that they get into and the air distracts them. So now it's like our nighttime routine is okay. We go into her room and she nurses a little bit before she goes to bed. Um, but even though there are times that she'll get drowsy and I put her to bed, maybe like drowsy or maybe sometimes kind of asleep. Even if she wakes up a little bit, she's so secure in her sleep that she can put herself to sleep or, or like she watches me go out the door or, you know, so sleep for me is like the number one importance. What other reasons would you say sleep is, is important? Like as like when you go into the children years or adolescence or, you know, how, how important is sleep in other ways? Absolutely. Well, I mean, sleep is not only important for our little ones, but important for us. If your little one's not sleeping well, you're mostly, most likely not sleeping well either. And so it's important for, for both of you for, so for your child's growth and development, but also for your, you know, your health and your sanity as a mom. Um, and a lot of times I'll hear, again, we'll go back to that, that advice. So, oh, just, you know, just get through it. Like when they're, you know, it won't, these years won't last forever. When they're two or three, you know, they'll be, they'll be sleeping. You know, that's not always the case. Like I have a lot of clients that come to me 12 months, 18 months, two years old, three years old. I had seven year olds, um, you know, back a year ago, um, sleep problems can persist past infancy because sleep continues to change and things come up. Like when you move your child to, from a crib to a bed, um, a lot of times that's when people reach out because the baby doesn't want to be in the crib. They climb out, we move the child to a bed. So as you can see, without me getting into the nitty gritty, you know, sleep can continue to be a problem for some people. If you don't work on it at the easier stages, we'll say it can just get a little bit more complicated. And so laying a healthy foundation from the beginning will help your child transition through the nap transitions, through teething when they're sick. So you've probably experienced dagger having a cold or teething, and she probably did better than most babies would do when they don't have those independent sleep skills. I would say it's a skill that serves them for life, really. Oh my gosh. I was going to say that she's been sick. I don't know if it's, I can't decide if it's just her personality because she's just, since the day she was born, she's a very independent, like on the go kid. And when she was sick, she's only been sick like once and then teething the other times, but she was sick and she wanted nothing to do with me. Like she wanted to be in her bed. She in wanted to crib, get right. cozy in her crib. She wanted to like do like just be by herself. 
And I was the type, I'm like, come on, just lay with me in bed. Like I'll snuggle you to sleep or I'll sit in this rocking chair and like feed you all night long. Like I will take one for the team. And the girl is like, absolutely not. Get away from me, mom. Put me in my crib, which it's like, it's really sad for me. But at the same time, I know it's so healthy and so much better for her to sleep independently and sleep full. Um, you know, that's the way she's going to heal when she's Absolutely. sick. So they need more sleep when they're sick. And honestly, you know, you will have days where she, she sleeps on you for a nap, right? Like she doesn't, she may not have every single nap in a crib because you know, you know, you can have those days where she sleeps on you. And the next day she goes back to normal because her sleep foundation is so solid that you can vary it from time to time. And it's, you're not always having to, you know, sometimes people think like, Oh, we'll sleep training. I can't ever, you know, stray from the schedule or the rules. You can some of the time. That's the good part about having such a strong foundation is when you need to, when your little one's sick or when you're traveling, you can make some tweaks and not completely fall off course. Have to be oh, that is such a good, see, I feel like that is like the biggest takeaway from this then for people, because <laughs> see Jagger, like she would, even if I let her, she'd never fall asleep on me. It's just, she's just that kind of kid, but there are kids that will. And it's really great for parents out there that are listening to know that you, like you said, you can, if you have the foundation, which you can start early or start at seven or start whenever, if you get to have the foundation, there's no, no reason you can't tweak it sometimes, or like, you know, go out to lunch in the middle of the day, or, you know, we never stuck to any type of schedule when it came to, we have to be home at this time or home at that time, bedtime or naps. Um, and that's just so true, but that's a big takeaway because I know a lot of people are scared of sleep training and sleep people telling them what to do. And it's, you know, it's a scary thing I feel like, but if any, if that, if one people could take one thing away, it's that it's like, it's not so black and white. If you have the foundation, then you can teeter. I think it's most important in the beginning when you're laying the foundation, but afterwards I call it like my 80, 20 rule. So 80% of the time you want to try to follow the rules make sure, you know, your child's going to bed at the right time. 20% of the time, you're going to have exceptions. You're going to have activities as your little ones get older. You're going to have things to do. So just try to keep, you know, a balance. But um, I think that's a lot of, of parents' hesitation is like, I don't want to be stuck in my house for every nap. I don't want to, you know, never be able to do anything. And it's, it's not the case. You can, you can have a balance. Um, I mean, sleep definitely needs to be the priority, but you can definitely have a balance and, and still maintain sleep for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So there's one more topic that I wanted to talk to you about that was weird for me at first too, when I heard it, but it's everywhere. It's like the big thing. And we do do this now because I now know how important it is, but anytime I talk to anybody about it, they say the same thing. So it's the whole thing about the sleep environment and setting that up to be, have a successful foundation and and have successful sleep. So a lot of people think like blackout curtains are going to cause an unrealistic sleep habit and you know, that whole drama. So do you want to touch about, touch on that subject? Yes, I do. I do hear that a lot. Um, I was curious where you're going with that, but yes, (laughs) my number one, (laughs) it was, it was suspenseful. (laughs) Yes, it was. I was like, ooh, what's it going to be? Um, yeah. So when I work with families, so new or any really any age, the sleep environment is something we talk about. So having the ideal sleep environment for your little one, because it's really important for your little one to take restful naps, you know, prevent early morning waking. So we know that we sleep better when it's 
dark, right? Like if you go to take a nap in a bright room, you probably can't fall asleep. Well, moms probably can, but (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it gets a little bit harder to fall asleep in a bright room. So having a dark room is really important for your little one's sleep because it helps your, your child's melatonin kick in. So that's your sleepy hormone. That's what helps them fall asleep at bedtime. So it makes it easier for them to fall asleep at nap. I have heard people say, well, I don't want my little one not to be able to sleep anywhere. You know, when they're sleep trained or they're used to a dark room, they're always going to sleep better in the dark room, right? They're always going to, it's going to be a better sleep environment for them, but it doesn't mean they can't sleep in a bright room. And there's other things you can do. So a lot of kids are going to fall sleep in the car, no matter what, even if it's bright out, right? Because it's motion. So they're they're still going to sleep in the car. You can plan for traveling. You can have um, the slumber pod, which is an amazing product, which um, I can talk more about that, what that is. Um, but there's things you can do when traveling to, to keep the dark environment, but there's going to be exceptions, right? There's going to be times you can't darken the room. You can't have it exactly the way it is at home. But when you're home where your child sleeps most of the time, it should absolutely be dark because that's just the best sleeping environment for our little ones. Darkness, again, simulates that melatonin production. It tells our body it's, it's dark, which means sleep. So that's definitely the number one thing for, for their room for sleep. And white noise. I am, we are big white noise people in this house. Like even before I had a baby, I had to sleep with a fan on just one of those. But I mean, those dome noise machines are amazing noise machines. I mean, I think I have like two in her room, just like in different spots. (laughs) Yeah, We have like three, um, three different ones. That's another one where people are like, do I have to have one? Or like, will my baby get addicted to it? Like, those are things that I would say your baby can sleep without, but they really do help drown out the noise. If you think about it, like if you're doing things when your little one's asleep, you don't want to wake them up or you don't have to tiptoe around the house. You don't want something outside to wake them. So it really blocks out all that noise. And you, she could sleep without it. You know, we could sleep without it, but it just, I feel like it kind of drowns everything else out and it makes, it just makes for more peaceful sleep. So I think, again, that's one where you could, you could take your leave of it. I would say most of my clients, probably like 90% of them use white noise. It just makes the environment better. So much better. Yeah. Tell me about the sleep pod. I need to get one so bad. I love it. Yes. So I have some insider information for you. So the slumber (gasps) pod is an amazing product. It's probably the number one thing I recommend. Now this is for use when your baby is four months and up, but essentially if you ever get that anxiety when you're traveling, so you're like, oh my gosh, my baby's not going to sleep good. We're sharing our room you know, she's going to wake up in the middle of the night and like, I'm going to be there. This will solve all those problems. So if you're going somewhere and you have to share a room, essentially the slumber pod goes over a pack and play, a mini crib or a, to- a toddler cot and makes a separate sleep space for your child. And it also makes it dark. So you don't have to bring anything else with you to darken the room. You can actually put the camera monitor in the slumber pod so you can see your child. And essentially it's, you can even zip it all the way shut. So they're in their own space. It's completely safe. It has plenty of airflow. You can buy it with a fan if you're worried about it being too hot. Um, but essentially, it's, it's the perfect solution for travel. And starting tomorrow, they are having a $35 off sale, which is, I have not seen a sale this big, but you have to use a code. So I have um, a code happily ever after. We'll save you $35, but starting tomorrow from Friday to Monday. Um, Amazing. Yes. And they're really hard to get. So they've been out of stock for, as you know, <laughs> for a very long time, they're stocking up for the sale. So I have been trying to get one. one forever. And I had messaged you about it because you posted about it. And I, I was just like, 
so excited about it, but they're always sold out. So seriously, yeah. you guys need to go get one. And I'm going to yeah. be posting this today. Actually, usually I record and I'll post later, but this one will go up today. So people will be able to hear about okay. this and know that it's so happily ever after is the code to use at checkout for $35. Yeah, so you 35. You have to go to their website um, to get the code to, for the code to work. But yes, it'll save you $35 starting uh, Friday the 12th all the way till Monday the 15th. So you have some time, but I would say act quickly because they do, I know they're stocking up for, but they do sell out very quickly. So it's so crazy. I know I saw one of your reels about it, which you guys have to go follow happily ever after sleep on Instagram because Katie posts the best reels. I love it. You always like, and they're so informational too. So all the moms out there, you have to just go and and follow because it's so great. I love it all. Thank you. I try to, I try to make them educational. Sometimes they're funny, but the one for the summer pot, I use my toddler as my, uh, I call her my sleep model. Yes. <laughs> so she's excited to like, I did another one with her um, for Dreamland Baby um, for the weighted blankets and swaddles. So I did one with her with that too, but she like loves, <laughs> loves doing all those with me. So, so cute. Well, yeah. what else do you have going on? Anything upcoming or anything the listeners should know about? Yes. So next week, so I used to host a workshop monthly. I haven't done it in a while. Um, I'm making some changes, but I decided for November and December, I'm going to bring back my solve your sleep workshop, which is essentially an hour and a half webinar on zoom where you can learn all the things I teach my one-on-one clients without being a one-on-one client. You're going to learn an hour and a half, basically how to solve your child's sleep. So how to handle bedtime, how to handle night waking, how to handle naps, You'll get sample schedules. You'll get a full sleep education in an hour and a half. And the best part is you can do it on your own at your own pace. So some people, you know, they want to do it slower or they might have a trip coming up. You can attend and you can implement it when you're ready and at your own pace. So that's coming up next week. I have two class uh, times. Two class times next week. That's so exciting. So yeah, so you can go to your Instagram page and maybe, yeah. My LinkedIn okay. bio has, has a link for it. Yeah. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, I so appreciate you coming on and being one of the first guests on this new podcast. It's exciting to start. And I feel like there's so much information in sleep and baby sleep and kids sleep. So I'd love to have you on again in the future. If you'd like to come on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. I'm so happy to have connected with you. And this is awesome. great. Thanks for thinking of me. And it was great to, to chat again. And I'm so happy to hear that Jagger is still sleeping like a champ. She is sleeping like a champ. And even through, I have to say, because the dreaded daylight savings came in mm. and went, and she's really powered through, which it just really didn't up. It didn't really mess much up other than her naps is shorter during the day, but it hasn't messed up her night. So it's just like, I don't know. I guess it's like a, I guess it's fine. I don't know. But um, yeah, she's, she just sleeps so good. And I, I 100% say that it's because we worked with you from the time she was a newborn. There's just no way that I would have gotten her to this point. (laughs) We would not have survived. I'm glad that I'm glad that you found me. Yes, of course. Well, I hope that other people can take advantage of you. <laughs> like Absolutely. I did. Yep. Follow me on Instagram. I mean, even if you're not ready to, to hire me, I give a ton of free information. I'm always posting tips. I'm always posting stuff in my stories, videos, you know, ever like there's blog posts. There's so much free information. If you're not ready to, you know, to sign on, there's tons of stuff you can find just by following me. So 
Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, as well as Spotify. If you could write a review, that would be really helpful. And then head to our Instagram page at 20somethingmom underscore. That'd be really helpful. Go follow. I'm going to be doing a really exciting giveaway soon, so make sure you are signed up and ready for that. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.